This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Exploring the relationship between mental health, emotions, and the body. Many mental health diagnoses not only have a mental and emotional impact on functioning, but also include a somatic component of expression. In mental health care, we must celebrate the scientific reintegration of mind and body in order to address the entirety of who we are as human beings. Simultaneously, it's beneficial to observe the systems within which we are also embedded that either feed or starve the health of us not only as individuals, but also as communities. The mental health field is growing with evidence-based practices and modalities that embrace the mind-body-community connection, allowing for deeper trauma and emotional processing. Such modalities include EMDR therapy, somatic therapy, and expressive art therapy. Valeria Tellis interviews Anjana Kosla, a mental health therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist, LMFT, and speaker. Anjana's interest in the therapeutic arts began at age 14 in 1997, when she volunteered to spend time with elderly clients in an assisted living facility, Manor Care Nursing in San Jose, California, providing residence company every Saturday throughout the entirety of high school. While obtaining her undergraduate degree in cognitive science at University of California, San Diego, Anjana volunteered at Ronald McDonald House for Children, offering comfort and support to families with terminally ill children. In 2012, while she was working as a research associate at Kaiser Permanente in Santa Clara, California, she volunteered as an advocate with the YWCA SART, Sexual Assault Response Team, and decided that her true calling was as a therapist. From there, Anjana began her journey through graduate school, followed with experience as a MFT trainee at Safe Alternatives to Violent Environments and Associate MFT at Family and Children's Services. Anjana now works for Nashville Center for Trauma and Psychotherapy. She believes every human being deserves to be seen and live in a way that brings about peace, self-love, and a positive self-image. Her goal is to provide all her clients with the information and tools we each need and deserve to live as fully as possible. Meet Anjana at nashvilletherapy.co slash anjana-kosla. Here is the interview with Anjana Kosla. In your own words, who is Anjana Klausla? That's such a beautiful question because I think of myself 
as a whole being that manifests into so many different parts, depending on where I show up and how I show up. And these parts don't by themselves represent the entirety of me. But to answer your question, I, a human being in body form, I am a spiritual being with mind aspects and feeling aspects. And also in my work, which doesn't feel like work, more like purpose, I am someone who intuitively connects with others and uses both my knowledge base and my felt experience in the room with a person to guide towards a healing process. So that's a that's a very profound question. <laughs> yeah. I love right? the way you answered that. Yeah, being the parts of life that's um, trying to express itself as wholeness here now which it is wholeness anyway. <laughs> it feels like it's parts, right? Parts of us, but it is whole already. It is whole. And, you know, to who am I beyond Anjana Kosla, right? That's being ascribed to my physical being and body as it's manifesting right now. And in the finiteness of that, what does that carry over into? So, so yeah. How would you describe what healing is, Anjana? Lovely question. Healing to me is awareness. That's one component of it, one level of it, where we become aware of what brings us joy, what brings us peace, what brings or what has brought us pain. And beyond what's brought us pain, how do we empower ourselves to move with that in a sense of purpose. So healing to me really is about stepping into our own power. I usually ask the question I've been asking lately about true power. What is true power to you? And that's what it is. Would you elaborate even more of what that feels like, true power? Ooh, that's a lovely, lovely question. I think Going back to something that you said when we were introducing ourselves to one another, uh, showing up authentically, right, and in the body being able to feel into a sense of gratitude, a sense of safety, a sense of ease, and being able to channel that and hold on to that, even in the face of challenging circumstances you know, trauma, relational disputes, whatever life may may throw at us, being able to stay connected to that which brings us a sense of peace, ease. And whether that shows up in the form of spirituality or understanding the mind-body connection and knowing how to self-soothe and self-regulate, that's going to depend on the person um, and their own beliefs though I think the the visceral experience of it is a sense of ease and a sense of safety. When it comes to safety, I usually tend to connect that, or I relate safety to the body itself. It seems like it's the only part of us that, that seeks that, 
that needs that safety. Would you say so, Anjana? Or there's other parts of us that also seeks to be safe? I think there's nuance in safety. There first does come a physical sense of safety. And that's clearly defined as far as not being directly threatened, right? in our physical bodies. I think too, though, there is emotional safety and being safe in expressing our ideas, our thoughts, who we are in an environment. This is more connected to authenticity and identity work where we feel safe to show up outside of maybe expectations, whether that's parental expectations, societal expectations, um, self-imposed expectations, right? So this opens up a gateway and a pathway for us to really tap into creative self-expression. It's It can become scary when we feel as though our sense of belonging to community is threatened, Um, So this is where I think I really dive into my healing work with clients, where I want to create a space that very clearly allows for physical safety, but also emotional safety, where there's room to explore and become who we are outside of what we are told we are. So do you kind of connect that back to the way we have been brought up, raised in society, the limitations we have, right, Anjana, the false beliefs? And this is something that's done within. It's not something that we try to change, or would you say both, try to change outside of us? Is that an inner work and outside work? I I do believe it's inner work. I do also believe, though, to facilitate connecting to that inner work, we need a container sometimes that can hold us, right? And some of this work is relational because to experience relational and emotional safety, we also need to experience a safe relationship. And that's what I try to try to incorporate into my work with clients where the body trusts and the emotions move into a space of feeling held, of feeling taken care of, of feeling nurtured. And this is where the mind and body are so connected because the body will tell you. There are so many interoceptive or visceral cues where we might feel nervous or we might feel anxious and we experience that as either our throat's tightening or our chest is tightening or our shoulders are collapsing, right? So these this attunement to ourself is, it, is what allows for us to um, explore, okay, what's my criteria for feeling safe, right? Is it feeling heard? Is it... Is it not being interrupted? Is it, it could, it depends on the injury from early childhood. But I do believe that, yes, going back to that question, does it originate um, in early experiences? And I do believe that because that's when we're most vulnerable when we're children, right? So some of this is inner child work. Yeah. What are some of the misconceptions about healing that we have 
<laughs> this is a beautiful question. So one of the challenges that I experience within the mental health field is that the mental health field has been almost squished, for lack of a better word, into the medical model, where we look at people coming in with certain mental health challenges, right? We see the symptoms and then we measure their quote-unquote progress based on functioning in society and diminishing of symptoms. However, I think that this is doing a, it, there's a benefit to that. There's also a huge disservice in the sense that there's this dissection between body and mind. And in order to truly allow for holistic healing, we need an incorporation of how does the body impact the mind and vice versa. And there's this feedback loop. So what I would love to see in modern society is more of a reintegration. We are seeing that with new research. Um, Dr. Peter Levine, Dr. Gaber Mate, certain modalities of therapy like EMDR, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. So there is a movement towards that. Um, but it's, it's one of the misconceptions is that the mind is separate. Some people, a lot of the guests that I interview here, we talk about the body, mind and spirit or soul. Do you also integrate the what we call soul spirit yes, into your work? Yes, yes. And so the, there's so many ways to answer that question because when I think about spirit and soul, right, I think of intangible energy. And energy can be expressed in so many ways and manifest itself. So when I'm in the room with a client, I look for language that the client speaks. It originates from the same spirit and the same source, though the manifestation might shift depending on the ears or the body that's receiving it. So um, there is a very spiritual component to all of this. It's tapping into something greater. There's an intuition that's utilized. And that intuition, again, is not separate from my body. I'll experience it as visceral cues or, you know, language coming out of out of my mouth or even nonverbal cues. I'll lean in more or I'll lean out more. And I can't honestly say that this is a thinking process. It's a relational process that's happening with another human being. So even with that, there's um, something really magical happening through this healing where my nervous system is essentially being borrowed to support somebody else. And I am borrowing from something greater than myself. Ah, that... Makes me, yeah, kind of thinking, feel the connectivity with it all, that everything yes. is connected. There's no separation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then also, if I can go deeper into it, it there is an also a sense of codependency, that mm -hmm. everything is codependent, right? That we're so connected that in order to have this feeling of existence, everything else needs to exist too. <laughs> so in the way Absolutely. we are. 
right? It's kind of yes. I like to use the word interdependent. Uh, with interdependence, there's a connectivity, and there's also room for separate expression. Mm, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So codependency is actually a medical term. It has become, I'm not sure, is. right? Like in it psychology. Has. It has become a medical term. But you're so correct as far as that connectivity. And, you know, for the more logical, science, quote unquote, scientific minds, I also like to quote the science behind it as far as, you know, our brain's capacity to uh, use neuroception and detect clues in our environment without our conscious awareness, right? And co-regulation is also something that's happening where someone is literally using my ability to self-regulate and maintain a sense of equilibrium through their own discomfort to soothe their own nervous system. And this is what babies and infants and children are hoping to gain from parental figures. And that's not always the case, right? Because of intergenerational trauma. And so the therapeutic process is also a process of reparenting where the person is now borrowing the way they would as a child, right? And learning to internalize that as a skill set. Would you say that the idea of parenting, do you connect them somehow in self-love or self-acceptance? I do. I do. And I really believe each of us comes into this world with an authentic self. And when we bump up against the world, sometimes that authentic self is not fully accepted or embraced. And we shy away. It's a painful experience. So we move away from that and say, oh, that felt yucky. So what we do as protective mechanisms is develop coping tools that might be more of an inauthentic self for the sake of belonging. And our survival depends on that, right? So it's still an adaptive coping tool because as infants and children, we're so reliant on the adults in the community around us for our survival. As we move into adulthood, we're able to step more into our autonomy and we can witness how we developed in retrospect this inauthentic self. And we start to move back into authenticity. And so this is just like the child whose parents were reassuring and protective, however that child might have showed up, of course, with boundaries still in place, because boundaries allow for um, a sense of safety as well, but appropriate boundaries. Wow, as you speak, that's exactly what it felt like many years ago. So inauthentic. I was not able to express myself and I didn't know what to do. So I found, yeah, those uh, ways, becoming a trainer, personal trainer and doing competition and so, so unhappy because that was not really what I wanted to do. <laughs> and then, yeah, and it feels very much now like doing what I'm doing. Now, this is what I always wanted to express. It oh, feels that's beautiful. wonderful. You know, and that's amazing because I think about your body told you 
that that was where you needed to shift. Something felt off. Oh, absolutely. Every single moment, yeah, it was felt, but it was felt and ignored, felt mm-hmm. and ignored for years. And that's kind of interesting how we learn to live in pain, mm-hmm. right, Anjana? Mm-hmm. This is something that most of us try to escape pain. I mean, by doing so, we might get even in deeper pain, actually, by doing that, trying to escape pain. But then some of us learned to live with it. That was my case. I tried to escape it too, of course, doing what I'm doing with the body, working out too much and trying to control everything. Maybe you can talk to me for a moment about the experience of suffering and pain. Some people say they're separate. They're not the same. We can have pain and not suffer or suffer and not be in pain. What is your understanding of pain? That's a lovely question. I do think we can be in pain and also have an underlying sense of peace. And that requires having, again, a safe container to come back to where we can be introspective and we can, what we call in therapy is titrate into the pain. We never want to re-trigger ourselves where we go too deep, too fast. So we increase our window of tolerance by gradually learning with putting more tools in our toolbox, right, to allow for us to really make sense of that pain. And I heard this beautiful analogy of a shadow is simply when something obstructs the light. And when I think about suffering, I think in therapeutic terms, suffering is when there is something blocking our awareness, right? So as we move into self-observation and awareness and give ourselves permission to think outside of the parameters that were told to us, which is a very, very scary process, the deconstruction process, it can feel like an existential crisis. No doubt. Tell me about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so having having supports is essential, relational supports, even if they're distant relational supports, you know, in the community, as far as role models, podcasts like this, literature to also understand that you're not alone through the experience of it. And pain and suffering is a natural response, right? We need not fear it. If we listen to it, it's giving us information about a misalignment in ourselves with the environment. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, if you feel there is one? Oh, that's lovely. I do believe, so purpose can take many, many forms. Going back to what I was saying earlier about the manifestation of spirit, right? And the beauty of it is there's this underlying connectivity with all life, with all of us. And there's also a creative element of how that shows up. So, you know, sometimes I think about, I think it's the second law of thermodynamics that says energy is neither created nor destroyed. It is merely transformed. So this idea of purpose is more about alignment Right. And as we 
increase our alignment, our purpose might shift, right? And so my purpose today or might be very, very different from my purpose in my last two years of life, right? But it's still rooted in the same energy. So I, I don't know if that answers the question. So I think the purpose of life is to live, like you said, just simply to live and to relish in the magic of that. It always comes back to me as exactly as you said. This is a miracle. It's unconditional love. It's the unknown. And it's a beautiful dance between this feeling and this sense that we know something and then going back to the unknown again. And then I know and I don't know. And ah, what an amazing experience to be in a human body. It is. And perception is so deeply connected to that, right? And there's so many limitations to perception. I remember as a little girl, I'd see ants and I would watch ants on the floor. (laughs) And I would think, what do these ants see? How do they see the world? Oh, that's cute. (laughs) But it's so true when you think about creatures or animals in the ocean versus animals who fly versus human beings walking on the floor. So, yeah, so I think there's so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, I love that, yeah. (laughs) It's like merging. It's not being in the moment, but merging with what is here now. There's no time anymore, in a way. There's nothing happening, but it is happening at the same time. Absolutely. I love that, yeah. that You just brought me back to um, remembering, I would say, of just observing life itself happening and almost like merging with it and not so mm-hmm. uh, kind of breathing the freedom of it all. This is freedom, Absolutely. isn't it? Ultimately. Yes. It's it here now. It's not a destination to arrive at. Exactly. The juxtaposition of the infinite along with the impermanence of everything as it's changing from moment to moment. Yeah, I have a question for you about your profession. What do you do? You are a mental health therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist. What inspired you to become what you have become in in the sense of personality? That's a lovely question. And going back to something we were talking about earlier in regards to pain, it actually is pain that led me here, my own traumas and my own willingness to sit with that. And I was blessed to experience relational healing with other individuals in healing professions. And I also found myself being the happiest when I was in connection with other people, but in connection in a way that was authentic, where there was room to embrace a person's joys along with their fears and their grief, the wholeness of a person. And so that's really what I appreciated. You know, I, I didn't move into this profession until later in life in my 30s when I realized that the times that I felt most in alignment were the times that I was volunteering and connecting with other people, whether that was the sexual assault response team or volunteering at Ronald McDonald House. And I sat with that and thought, people is what matters to me. 
the human experience and making room for people to show up as themselves and to create more safe places where people can show up as themselves. And if if this could then if I can do it a little bit right, then someone else can do it some more and then it can exponentially grow in the shifting of culture. Something you sent to me, I think uh, I I read this on your website, maybe Nemo you sent me, you say, I believe every human being deserves to be seen and live in a way that brings about peace, self-love and a positive self-image. Correct. Yes, beautifully written, expressed in the words. So talk to me about arriving at this place, if there is a destination to peace, self-love and and a positive self-image, it it seems to require healing, the healing that we have been talking about up to now, doing the work, spirituality, integration. So there are some methods, one of which you mentioned earlier called EMDR. So talk to me a bit more about this modality, also somatic therapy and expressive art therapy. Well, what I love about these modalities is that they tap into deeper parts of the brain, right? So traditionally with talk therapy, the part of the brain that's utilized is more often the higher thinking brain, right? The prefrontal cortex is involved in all of this sequential planning and executive functioning and putting things into words and whatnot. So what I appreciate about expressive arts, about somatic therapy, EMDR, is that we're able to tap into the limbic system and deeper parts of the nervous system in order to truly process outside of the thinking brain. So a lot of time we experience injuries in our life, traumas and injuries, and we rationalize and find you know, reasons for this. And sometimes those reasons come out as negative cognitions, like I'm not good enough or I don't belong. Sometimes it'll come up as I deserved to be abused or I deserved this, right? So it's rooted in a false belief. And negating that false belief There is a component of affirmation, right? But we don't just want to affirm in language. We want to affirm in the body, in the mind. So with EMDR, what we're actually doing is creating cross-communication between the hemispheres of the brain. And we can do that either using eye movements, similar to when we're sleeping in REM sleep, So eye movements back and forth, but we can also do it through tapping. We can also do it through physical movement, like running. That's a form of bilateral stimulation um, in order to allow for the memory or the experience that got stuck in a painful state. We see it to completion and we create a safe enough environment where that person can move through the painful emotion, but also know at the same time that they're held and taken care of and they will get through to the other end. And so that's a little bit of a synopsis of EMDR. There's other modalities like brain spotting, where what you feel is actually impacted by where you look with your eye gaze and it taps into the subcortical brain. 
um, expressive arts therapy, allowing for us to tap into nonverbal modes of expression, um, visual art therapy as well. We can use different hands, non-dominant hand versus dominant hand to allow for communication between our nurturing parent self and our inner child, more vulnerable part. So um, somatic therapy looks a little bit more at uh, using movements to release what has been stored in the body when we're stuck in fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, right? So, and we can... You know, the key piece here is creating a sense of safety so we can titrate towards the bigger picture and see yourself come through with a sense of release, healing and completion. Ah, That sounds wonderful to me. And it really also does sound like that work of moving energy Mm -hmm. through the body and mind. So. We spoke mm. about energy earlier. Yes. How fantastic. Thank you so much, Anjana, for you. doing this work, facilitating this for us. We're almost at the end. I have a topic of the, um, it goes back to movement, intentional movement and yoga practices. Talk to me about that for a moment. You wrote a piece, I, I believe it's um, posted on LinkedIn. Yes. Has to do with depression too. So yeah, how does yoga promote healing and how does it affect the symptoms of depression? Yeah, so yoga is something you shared a little bit about yourself in your own journey. Yoga is something I came across around the age of 10. And it's something that honestly gave me a space to learn how to self-regulate in a tumultuous family environment, in the face of emotional and physical violence, where I was able to find a space that was mine, right? And process what was coming up through my body, self-observe, listen, and also think about, okay, when am I in fight or flight? And when I'm not in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, how can I better take care of myself? What are my resources, right? So it was intentional movement, the safety of the container that yoga provided for me. And when I wrote this paper, I wrote it specifically around depressive symptoms, you know, looking at suicidal ideation, looking at the tendency to to isolate when we're feeling depressed, fatigue, feelings of apathy, lack of motivation, persistent sadness, right? And depression is something that it tells our bodies or it tells our brain to do these very things that will actually perpetuate the depression. And systems like yoga challenge that by creating a sense of community, by allowing for energy transfer, right, through that movement. There's a natural self-soothing through breath work. There's also a value system that allows for you to make decisions in alignment with those values of nonviolence, non-harm, right, self-care, taking care of hygiene, right? When we have depression, we don't necessarily want to do those things. 
And in, in therapeutic terms, what we would call that is living in alignment with your values as opposed to how you're feeling in the moment. We would yeah. call that behavioral activation. And the very act of going through the behavior, knowing that it's going to be in alignment with your greater value, there's a emotional reward to that. And that can propel you towards moving out of the depression gradually. I noticed something that you mentioned that I never heard before. Maybe I did and I didn't listen close. I think you've been saying fight, flight, and fun. Fun, fun. Fight, flight, freeze. Oh, fun. Yeah, so I didn't understand that word. Freeze. I said it very quickly. (laughs) I was like, fun is part of that? How come? That doesn't make sense when I'm having fun. Seems like a very yeah. freeing experience. Yes, um, fun is a good thing. So fun is um, <laughs> that people-pleasing tendency where we self-betray and attune, constantly attune to other people in order to protect. It often happens when we've been in really violent environments or there's a oppressive quality, a power differential in our relationships. So we'll constantly try to appease in order to keep ourselves physically safe. Ah, that is sad, isn't it? That we go through those things. I mean, those programming and conditionings and and some of us stayed there. I love that you call it programming because that's what it is. And we have the ability to deprogram and reconstruct. Right. And and that's the great news about it. So true. Uh, I usually ask the question to some of my guests about what drives some of us to go deeper into healing and deprogram, as you call it. Mm -hmm. And some of us never really realize that we are programmed in the first place. (laughs) I wonder... Yeah, I do have thoughts on this. And I think a lot of it does have to do going again with pain. Pain is such a great teacher. You know, there is something called post-traumatic growth, where we're in a position where we do have to question what's around us in order to really sit with a higher truth, right, that goes beyond what's in front of us. And so I think some of us who might not question or really move through this process of introspection, it might be that they haven't quite yet reached that tipping point. Mm, Yeah. So it's not being ready. The conditions have not been created yet. That space of safety. I tend to think about human beings as I see in the natural world, plants, like the way mm-hmm. they come to be and express themselves. That is interesting how we humans have this capacity to rationalize, to think, and that might be what really gets in the way, but at the same time, it really feels like a gift too, to be able to reflect, right? To have conversations like this. But Absolutely. then I wonder if we can hold space for both, the doing the, and the being, right, Anjana? And we can, right? It is possible. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful possible <laughs> to just be in between, right? Those two worlds. So I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Before that, would you like to add anything else that we didn't discuss? I'd like to thank you for making space to even discuss this and express my perspective and to feel received and share. 
So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for your presence, your beautiful presence. <laughs> I have a few more questions. Um, let's see. I'll have to choose them because I have too many here. I'll ask you this one. What is another word for healing? Mm, integration. Union also. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? That's a beautiful question. I think the hardest lesson is to sit sometimes in my own feeling of helplessness in that we can witness so much in the world and in my finite body, I can only do so much, right? This is also a powerful thing because it also challenges me to think about who I am beyond this body. Thank you. And my last question is, what are three things about life you wish everyone to feel or to experience before they lose the body? Peace, love, and authentic expression. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much again, Anjana, for everything that you represent, that you are, the healing work you do, and everything else in between that was felt and it is felt up to this moment. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your products, services, and future projects? Sure, sure. You can find me on Psychology Today, Anjana Kosla. That's a really good way to keep track of me. I also work at Nashville Center for Trauma and Psychotherapy. And if you're just interested in following me on Instagram, you can find me under Anjana Priya. Wonderful. I'll have your website link on your podcast profile. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Anjana. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Anjana Kosla and her work, please visit nashvilletherapy.co slash Anjana hyphen Kosla. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>